0: Welcome to Creative Innovators with Gigi Johnson. Enjoy our episode this week with a pioneer in the field of virtual reality theater, Deirdre V. Lyons. She'll talk about her work in immersive live theater and how it led to her adventures in VR theater at the Fairman Collective. She shares her challenges of onboarding audiences into VR experiences and the quest for viable business models in the VR space. Also, if you're going to watch this on YouTube versus listen to it, enjoy a bit of Mina the Cat around 19 minutes into our interview. A little apologies. You'll hear my voice a bit craggy. It's still recovering from laryngitis about the time we did this interview. So enjoy Deirdre V. Lyons and our conversation on adventures in VR theater. Catless, I have to enjoy them virtually and we're kind of talking about virtual adventures today so Deirdre thanks for joining us today and um uh we we've been talking about doing this for a bit that I've been a fangirl of what you guys are doing can you maybe start us out and talk about what the company is doing and then what you're doing
1: yeah woof so this has been kind of a a long uh, like a a a long and short three years right so we we sort of started out you know in 2020 and all of a sudden we went from like not doing much it's a pandemic to like creating some of the top vr uh experiences in live vr theater and and showing them at some of the top festivals in the world and we're like wow how did we get here um so right now mostly um i i put a lot of time into into that as well as you know meeting and um, hanging out and talking to uh different xr people either in real life or in um like over a like a video call of some sort, um, talking to people who are interested in it, who are either in education or, you know, wanting to produce themselves or just wanting to learn how to do it. So I end up talking to a lot of people about that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy. Um, tonight I'm going to the Westside Digital Mixer. And I usually go to XR Women, which is a really great group on Wednesday mornings. And I I just try to stay involved in the community and chat because it's such a great collaborative community. So that's what I'm doing personally. And the company, well, we're working on um, so many things. So we just... We just finished doing PXR, which is a great conference in Canada because Canada pays artists to do things, which is lovely. And so they have this beautiful conference that they started in, I think, 2020 about performance in XR. It's held in virtual reality. Yeah, it's held in all of it's in virtual reality. But this year they brought in a couple of, uh, you know, places where people could put headsets on and experience it that way. And we did a, two things. Uh, we brought our show Find Willie, to that, which was directed by Witten and Frank. And I helped produce it and uh, assisted her with that. But it's actually kind of a cool show because it came from Korea. It was a Korean show developed by the gyo Ge- Immersive Studio. They had this VR show that they wanted to take to South by Southwest. And they're like, we need an English version. So we ended up doing that for them. Uh, And taking it to South by Southwest. And so we were doing performances of Find Willie with some Canadian actors. So it was this really great collaboration of the US, Canada and Korea. And then uh, we were also doing a navigating the festival circuit. So if you were have a project and you wanted to know how to navigate that um <laughs> we did a sort of crazy vr experience where people came into vr and uh or you can watch on a zoom like they like or a youtube they were they were streaming it as well but um people all came in and we did we got them into a space and then we brought up the slides and then after every slide we blew the, them up with macaroni and cheese. Um <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. So each slide would get blown up with macaroni and cheese. And we did this thing where the the festivals and the conferences, you could only talk one minute each and we had like different team members from the team doing one slide to talking about, you know, South by Southwest or Kaohsiung or, you know, Tribeca or Venice and then blowing it up after a minute like, oh, sorry, I didn't quite get there all the way. So we did that. And um, I've also been uh, a part of the jury along with my husband, Stephen Butchko who uh, also does this crazy VR thing with me uh, and helped started and uh, co-founded the company with uh, the other team members, Braden Roy. Brian Tull, Christopher Lane Davis, Whit and Frank, uh, we're all the the Ferryman Collective because there's 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 a collective, this group of us, and uh, so we're during the Rain Dance Festival, um, which we will announce the winners coming this weekend for best best VR short film, best VR music video, and best immersive experience uh, is the one I'm doing. I'm doing all three of those. So and Steve's doing two of them
0: anyway. So that's it's crazy. It's cr- so many things. And you've hit on some of the interesting issues of VR, both in terms of how do you find audience, language, the festival circuit. So I'd love to come back to all that stuff. But I'd like you to walk us through your history a bit. So um, <laughs> what was what was Deirdre's excitement when she was in high school? <laughs> wow, you're going way far back. I oh am. God. I am. So were you a tech <laughs> person, a visual person, a... no deals person none of that no i was not i was a performer and we
1: can go back even further i've been a performer since i was like teeny tiny since i was very very young um started dance classes when i was three you know and then started doing shows in my grade school i think my mother heard from a teacher that oh you know she she really likes this she has a, a spark which you know like you know, now I'm like now now knowing what I know, I'm um, the the talent versus the, you know, versus the the idea of uh, of growth is is a little bit of a more of an interesting topic to me because I always felt like I was told I was talented, which w- was great, except for the fact that it within that you you stop. Uh, it's harder to process failure. Right. And it's harder to process, you know, growth and having a growth mindset as per, you know, um, uh, the 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 author of of mindset, uh, Carolyn Dweck, I believe, uh, is, yep. is 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 like, Carol oh, yeah. yes, that woman, she's fabulous. I learned so much reading her book. Um, But that's side tangent. So yeah, so she has a spark. So then my mother started taking me not only to dance classes, but to plays. And uh, I did stuff in school. And so I've been performing since I was super duper young. And that's kind of always what I wanted. Let me ask a
0: related question. Was your mom a performer? Was your dad a performer? Were they closet performers that didn't let it out? Because for some people, part of the journey step is that their parents were already creatives or already performers. So they kind of got the journey. And for some people, they were aspiring performers. And so were living through some of their kids journey. So,
1: yeah,
0: for sure. My
1: dad was, was not came from a farming background and, and then he worked for, um, like ma bell and then onto to at&t and then on to lucent technologies so he mostly ran phones and started out climbing the the phone poles and moving up through the ranks you know of, of you know a, a tech in that space and um, my mother my mother was always a bit you know a little a little bit like mm, she was, she, she, she gave me all of these amazing things, but she could be distracted quite easily. So for, um, for a very long time, she was, she was like, I was the focus of her life. Like, and I think that maybe she thought she was a good singer and that, that she would have liked to pursue that, but it was never anything that she actually did. So I appreciated all of the the support that my family gave me uh, growing up, which uh, which is which is not always the case, so I'm very lucky.
0: So you didn't face the you must be a lawyer, engineer, teacher, you know the the defined narrative channel.
1: No, gosh, no, no. I was like, I was always, I was always on the path of like performance and such. And, and I did do, a, I mean, there was a moment where I was, I was like, is this really what I want? Or is this what my mother wanted? And, uh, you know, it was just something I always came back to. So I, um, continued pursuing it, moved from, uh, Seattle, Washington to Los Angeles, continued pursuing it here, got here in 98. So I've been here a long time and just knocking on doors and none of them are opening. Right. You know, people are like, well, you know, it's hard to get the part. No, no, it's hard to get the audition. It's it's hard to eat. Like there are thousands and thousands of people who look just like you and just to have the, you actually need the right agent. You can't just have any agent. You've got to have CAA for anybody to like, look at you because <laughs> there's so many, there's so many, um, so many actors. So I, we, so we started, you know, people said, you got to produce your own stuff. So we started producing stuff. We started, we did a play. We did a short film. We did episodes. We did documentary. We did another short film. We did lots of lots of different things. And those went well, but never really opened in the way that we were kind of hoping they would. And then I started doing um, live immersive theater in Los Angeles with some of the top companies Uh, in in la so jfi just fix it productions uh speakeasy society you know these are just in theater that's taken off the proscenium stage and put uh in a in any kind of a location laundromat house apartment um school warehouse you know whatever whatever location restaurant It's, it's a little like a murder mystery without the dinner theater aspect to it right um I was going to say, this
0: is an aspect of live performance that I would suggest most people don't know exists.
1: Yes, it's a niche. It's a niche. But but it's so fun.
0: Tony and Tina's wedding, if they were in Los Angeles for a long time, that had taken over, um, not the Friars Club, but it had taken over a facility in L.A. and it was a big tourist attraction. But if you know, even longtime LA people may not be aware of of the entities that you just commented on. So what did what did you learn from that part of the adventure?
1: Oh, it was so fun! Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, Tony and Tina's wedding uh, was big. Uh, in, some people may have heard of Sleep No More in New York. Um, Tamar was a big long-running immersive um, mm-hmm. theater piece in Los Angeles that, you know, was in the 80s, I believe um there was a big movement in immersive and site specific theater back in the 70s where people were pulling things out of the theater and you know making a performance that out of different spaces and you know it's it was it's just so much more intimate it's you are, are are actually talking to an audience member oftentimes having a scene with an audience member even though they don't you know they don't know what, what's going on or the lines, so it's, you know, it's incumbent upon the actor to inform them of that and guide them while you're interacting with them. But I oh, would I suggest didn't... Sleep
0: No More didn't do that all that well. Oh. I only went once, and it was like I got pulled into a scene, and I'm like, what the heck's going on? And um, I'm not the only one. I had to go sit in a corner for a while and put my head in my hands because it was just so uh, dynamically overwhelming. Uh, so yeah yeah
1: it can be overwhelming i have heard that before although i haven't seen sleep no more so i don't know much about it um other than you know what what i've read i wish i could it's closing so yeah. try to see it
0: well it was interesting also because i know i was standing in line to go in and people behind me it was a hundred dollar ticket per person yes and the people yes. behind me had been doing it five times already so there is a bit of the bring other people and repetitive factor that you pe- some people are willing to do these interactions more than once.
1: Yes, because most of the time there's different tracks that you can go and experience. It's not usually just, you know, you've seen the play, but did you follow Macbeth? Did you follow Lady Macbeth? Did you follow, you know, the, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Oh, sorry, wrong play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so. so so it's just it's just a niche of theater that people, if they find it, often get hooked and will uh, and love it and will come back more and more. But it is definitely a, a different experience because you are interacting and immersed in a different environment than what you're used to and what your brain says. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to do here. I'm supposed to sit in a seat and be quiet now. All right. I watch a play, you know, face forward
0: just... and then, you know, not have things happening around you. So- <laughs> yes. And also are are um, often, I would say, hard to scale so that mm-hmm. you have a troupe doing a show in New York, Los Angeles, San Diego, wherever it is, and people know of it, but there isn't a history for a lot of these of scaling, of having a yes. scalable business model.
1: Yes, they are much more intimate in general. They are built that way because people... Um, People are looking for something different than being in the nosebleed section of the Amundsen. You know, the people are looking for something different than seeing a gazillion pre-recorded things on TV and streaming. So having this experience that feels intimate and profound and different than, you know, than what's, you know, generally out there has, has got people excited and seeking it out. And I do think it's, it is a, a special experience. And I think as we continue on with all of the pre-recorded content that keeps bombarding us, you know, because I, I, yeah, I remember the days when it was just network television and then we got cable and oh my God, look at all these channels. But now we got caving and streaming and all of these different streaming services that you could sign up for. So whew, as long as, as well as TikTok and all the YouTube and like it's it's a lot.
0: Yeah. And sports. Sports. Right. <laughs> Which yes. also looks at some of the similar issues, but not the repeatability. So, um. So, so when was this time frame? So I was doing all of this stuff. And well,
1: I saw some of my colleagues working at a in a photo on Facebook, at a Facebook group. And I was like, I know those friends. Those are friends of mine. What, what are they doing? Because it said uh, Noah Nelson from No Persinian says, if you don't know what they're doing at Tinder class, you should check it out because it's really cool. And I'm like, what are they doing? So I emailed Samantha, or I actually emailed the company, I didn't know Samantha at the time, saying, do you need more performers? And she's like, yeah, it's the holidays. Come work for us. So this is like November of 2019. I was working on a couple of other projects. um, And then, of course, March of 2020, I've been working on this VR game, for lack of a better word, which was going really well. Uh, The concept is sort of like, these players go into this world that looks like a vaudeville stage and they can they can see and 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 see and interact with each other but they can't speak and then all of a sudden they run into what they think is an npc and then the npc turns to them and says hello do you want a martini or something to that effect because there's i'm going to pause this a second (laughs) (laughs) because we're
0: saying i always like to back up and go not everybody understands what we're talking about so tender claws yeah which I yeah. fangirl Samantha's work. I just love, love, love. Tender yes. is a virtual reality game and environment and building space, I guess, for lack of a better delineation, where you go into something that looks like a orange and brown tone shifting desert. And then you're going mm-hmm. into, you could either go into an environment where you just hang out or that you could buy a ticket and be watching people be characters in the space. So it was sort of taking that idea not that you would mm-hmm. you would see non-player characters be player characters so that NPC non-player character. Um, yeah, that that it's not assuming that I've got this automated thing person that is just giving me lines that it's actually sitting through an experience with actors. So for a lot of people, Tender Clause the first time they saw something like that.
1: Yes, they I like to call them the Cadillac of experiences. Yes, they were brilliant in what they created. And the, the the live actor portion of of the of the the under presents was only supposed to go 3 months and then it because of the pandemic it ended up extending to over a year and within that they developed The Tempest which was, you know, a Shakespearean experience because you never knew when the actors were going to show up in the under presents it was just very random but this you could actually go to the theater buy the ticket and see the show and interact with with an actor uh, you and uh, up to six people so that won a bunch of awards there the under present one won a bunch of awards it was a brilliant concept and executed beautifully um that ended up having to close they're off doing stranger things now which is super awesome and bravo for them for getting such great ip um and that was my first foray into vr theater as a performer but when that shut down it was still the pandemic and i was like whoa, what are we can do now and <laughs> and uh brian tull who is one of the uh uh, one of the reviewers and uh, fans of immersive theater and of the under presents was like, well, I know enough about Unity to build something in VR chat. We, I hate that Halloween's been canceled. Can we maybe we could do that? And Brayden Roy was like, I, I'll write it and perform in it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll come in and I'll I'll help you with the actors and the scheduling. And, and I got my husband, Steve, to, to help as well. So, like, the four of us started pair, which was sort of a 20-minute proof of concept, went brilliantly. And... And then we moved into Krampus Noc- which was like a month and a half later, which was like a Christmas themed version of, of, a, of a VR theater production. And that went well. Um, and we submitted it for the PGA Innovation Award, thinking, okay, so we're going to set up this for like later. And um, <laughs>
0: sorry, your cat is um, thinking about going to down take... now. Well, and she <laughs> also was trying to take down your calendar back there. Yeah, she so. wants
1: down. She's going she's to jump. There she goes. All
0: right. So this is and an interactive, all. this is an interactive this conversation. For those watching <laughs> on YouTube, you can watch the cat and it's an incentive for those of you who listen to go to YouTube and watch the cat. So
1: that's right. The cat getting down because she was, it was time to get down now in cat world. So that's what, that's what cats do.
0: That's what cats do. They have no sense yeah. of time. It's cat time. It's um, cat time. So PGA's yeah. is Producers Guild. And yeah. so it's. We one were a finalist. Oh, very cool.
1: <laughs> Thank you. We're like, so it's working. Wow. All right. So this is good. So and yeah, uh, it was the innovation award. We didn't think we'd even get considered because but we did. And then we're like, this is working. So let's move on to something else. And I wanted to do something that sort of highlighted intimacy. I wanted to take all of our lessons from the previous productions and put them into a new production, take some time. And I talked to a, f- a friend of mine whose show I had done in real life in an, in the immersive theater realm. And I'd done the voice of the shadow. I was like, I think this would work really well in VR. Do you want to do it? And she's like, it's a pandemic. Okay, let me buy a headset and off we go. So she came on board. We did Welcome to Respite, which was um uh, a about an hour VR piece. It was about, you know... Uh, an adult going back into the memory of childhood Um, it deals with dissociative identity disorder and uh, what that would have been like had you had symptoms of that as a child but not knowing what it is and um, there's this sort of beautiful love from the parents that you feel even though they're having issues and then there's also this sort of shadow monster in there that's you know pretty scary. And I have to say, I think our VR version was a little scarier than the real version because we were able to do some really fun stuff with VR and take, a, you know, take advantage of the affordances of VR. We were able to shrink our audience member down to a child size avatar who's like seven years old looking up at their parents and over the countertop, which you haven't done since you were that age. Like it's weird because your mind's like, I'm an adult, I'm an adult. And your body's going, but I feel like a child again. And all these chem- these chemicals and emotions are happening at the same time. So that was really successful. We went around all over, all over the festival circuit. It was really well received. We were like, "Oh my God!" It worked way beyond our imagination, um, and we were just so grateful. And we're going to continue on with this story to the chapter two and three and four is going to be about a three or four chapter series. And Lindsay got pregnant, so happy for her, but not so good for continuing with our plan of VR theater, you know, along this storyline. <laughs> So we pivoted to a new show called Gumball Dreams which um I had this idea for a show that was uh, built around worlds that already existed from one of our team members Christopher Lane Davis he'd built these over the pandemic and before I'd even met him he'd had these done and they're just amazing and stunning and I wanted more people to see them. So I said, "Hey, what do you think of the script?" He's like, "I love it." let's and then we worked on it together to make sure it fit his lore he put you know he put the world together around the show and then all of a sudden we had another show going around the festival circuit and it was just like also really well received and people loved and um deals with you know issues of like death and dying digni- dignity um death and dig- death and dignity um and then also like acceptance and gratefulness and joy and love um, and the journeys that we are all on in this lifetime. So that, that was really good. But to, to sort of round this story up, because, you know, it does continue on a little bit with, you know, then we went to find Willie, and now we're doing it in Candy Alley, la, 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 But to sort of round out sort of more of the history of, of how we got to where we are now, um, is that, I feel like I was set up perfectly for this, right? You know, I feel like both Steve and I moved to LA. We were both set up perfectly because we'd both been working in VR, uh, sorry, in immersive theater. And we'd both been doing, just took those skills and moved them right into VR. And immersive theater, in my opinion, just fits VR so well as, as a platform, as a storytelling mechanism and all of the different sort of ways you can do immersive theater fit in this in this magical and mystical environment that you can create and do things that you can't do anywhere else in the world so that's sort of the origin story to to wrap it up
0: very cool i'm going to back you up on a few things so (laughs) yeah okay who knows so (laughs) i just got back from a trip to europe and while i was gone my husband goes i borrowed your oculus rift and I stuck it in my computer out in his man cave, and I'm going. You know, I've got newer gear, right? Yeah. I could even let I could let him use my you know Oculus Two with my pink edging thing because I've got my three I'm working with now. So, but for a lot of people, they don't have any of this stuff. So trying to yeah. trying to help them envision what they're doing for VR chat. So VR chat is shockingly large in its many ways, and you don't need a headset. You can just use your PC. And wander around just using the keys on your computer, but it's not the same experience. But you've yes. got lots of people hanging out, doing lots of interesting, weird things. Yeah, <laughs> creating lots of weird spaces, including yeah. things I won't talk about on the podcast, but um, <laughs> but include you know sleeping in the platform and doing all sorts of yeah. stuff. So you've got an experimental space already. Yeah, that people don't need a headset. So it, as as a pilot space. Where there are parts, so I guess part of it. My surgeon general's warning is: listeners, do not go to VR chat without somebody else with you who knows VR chat, because you could very quickly end up with green scrub brushes chasing you around and all sorts of things going on. So, yes. so do go with an escort. But this would be yep. an escort, that someone would be signing up to I want this experience. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's an open space. It doesn't cost you money really to produce in it other than what you upload into it so as a play space yes. for creatives wanting to do something like this it's not that you've got to find a hundred thousand dollars spending for building out a tech space etc yes you sort of expand on vr chat as a early development space yeah it's not
1: made for theater so i can tell you that onboarding is is so challenging and difficult um, because it is like teaching people to drive a car to get to the theater you're like come to the theater see it they're like yes okay I'm like okay so now you're going to have to put on a headset and download an app and there's like all these different steps I mean it's not in a lot of ways it's not so different than how we learned to use our phones because those are all apps as well um, but it just it it feels different and people are still learning about it. And yes, not everybody has a headset, but maybe their nephew does, you know, <laughs> maybe their their kid does. And they're like, I can actually see theater in this. I'm like, yeah, you know, you can. And so we're basically teaching people how to experience this form of theater. Uh, and that's difficult. Onboarding is always a challenge. So we try to incorporate that into the storyline. We try to incorporate that into making patient with them, helping them with different ways of, of accessing it. Like we try to be available on like a Zoom or a video call. So if somebody's like, I can't figure this out, they can actually speak to a human. So it's been a very Challenging platform, but also an amazing platform because, unlike some of the other social VR platforms of which you some of your audience may have heard of, so Verizon's, Mozilla Hubs, um, what used to be Alt Space, Rec Room, um, you can actually upload any avatar and any world as long as it fits in within the parameters of, of you know, Quest if you're going for a Quest world or PC VR, and they. They're great. Um, they 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 have a, a an incredible community and they're the, the it's true you shouldn't go into a public space because it, you will run into a bunch of six year olds who are not supervised and their parents probably shouldn't have let them go in there in the first place. And they're running around being like so silly and, you know, as as annoying as you can imagine. So going in and finding a, you know, they have now the groups feature where you can find a group that would be of interest to you. Like there's Trip is doing a meditation group in there. And that's, that's, um, that's really cool. And um, there's like a a, a a beautiful sign language group in there that teaches people sign languages. There's different, you know, people doing japan culture and uh you know language classes and all kinds of amazing communities um if anybody has a chance to watch the movie called we met in virtual reality a friend of mine uh, was the director of that and that is shot entirely in vr chat and it is um about i mean it doesn't say that in the film but it is and it is about uh people and their relationships they had mostly during the pandemic uh and and how beautiful this space can be when it's at its best so yeah it is a very challenging platform it's a bit like um facebook but in vr maybe kind of like that uh if you think of it as a social space uh and and yeah um i'm happy to take anybody on a tour if they want
0: if they want to see it well i was gonna say so part of the part of the opportunity and challenge is vr chats um very busy, lots of things going on. Um, how would yeah. people just dis- see, I, I take a look at some of the challenges with doing any type of content in VR that's discovery. So people not only have to get a headset on, but again, VR chat, you could go to on your screen. It's just not going to be as engaging. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and you can hook up an old headset to your computer and use it. You don't have to have the most current things, Yeah. But, discovery and then payment you know is two other folds of it that you wouldn't walk in and big sign saying you know come to your stuff so no. so um you know are what how are you dealing with discovery ticketing um community building yeah and then what are you building in now are you still doing vr chat as the space are you using any of the other platforms or building into the the new sort of spatial computing ish new tools. Um and yeah, I, I find that well we'll start there because I want to also talk about <laughs> the same thing with the festival circuit. Because I look at the yeah. festival circuit as an expensive dance. Yes. Where you want to get noticed, but your average VR user never finds you there either. It just you get discovered and talked around. So can you talk about discovery and maybe the nerdy way to say and business models, right? So how <laughs> how does this work? Because I know I know a lot of people who who create stuff into VR and then they're going, Oh yeah, that was fun. Uh so where's the people and and how do I create a business model other than having to go through um Quest and paying them 30% of everything I get?
1: Yeah. Um so right now we're just so small. We're <laughs> just tiny. It's tiny. And we're not, re- we're not making any, any money uh, that is, well, we make a little bit, it's like latte money, right? Like a little bit. And we, you know, are able to make sure our actors are taken care of and all that, but it's not like we're, you know, not like we have any, any sort of big uh, plans as of yet. We're kind of like exploring this space. I feel like I accidentally stumbled in, in into something that people like got excited about and the timing was right. And so now I'm just walking through doors that are open and seeing where it leads. Right. Because I have that ability um, in my life because of, you know, the circumstances that uh, are surrounding me to so be able to explore this platform, but it's still not my, it's not like it's not my full-time anything. It's just this, just this thing that we're growing and that we hope will and expect to grow into something else. So the, the, business model for the most part is the same as theater, right? It, it just, it's the same sort of like idea about, um, building your community, you could maybe do a subscription base if you wanted to, if you had that many productions to, to do, you could do, you know, you you can go the sort of nonprofit route and, you know, get funds for your arts and things like that. Um, you could, I, I, you know, some of the theater companies I work with is they, they will do things for like pop-ups for, for different movies and commercials and stuff like, and that will pay them a big chunk of money and then they can do the arts Uh, version of the stuff we wouldn't be able to do this right now if it if it was expensive Um, you know so most of our team is just it's just we're just working in a way with the belief that it will grow into something because it's not there yet Um, the audience isn't there yet Uh, you know people who love our stuff will then go off and look for other people's stuff and you know see their stuff they become very much fans of the of the genre but there's not a lot of people out there doing it so the idea is to bring more that bring, that builds up the audience that um, creates more interest. And in that's part of the festival circuit, too, is to to get the visibility out there so people can understand and get excited about and find what it is that we do. And we're so busy, you know, doing shows, doing runs, doing things for universities that we actually don't have a lot of time to even do like sort of a public offering, you know, grabbed by this university and and that conference to do you know internal stuff so that's kind of where we're at we're a little under the radar we're still developing it's not a viable business model yet it's you know we're still building the audience and i do think it will it'll get there you know but it's just it's just creating right now
0: can you share what you're doing with universities because i'm aware of educators in XR and other groups that are trying to help universities get up to speed in XR? Are you working with people who are building programs or doing demos or what's the university side?
1: Uh, Usually universities will come to us and they'll want to have us either talk or do a performance, or do a backstage tour, or some combination of those things. And uh, we we've worked with Aaron Riley in Texas. We we actually taught with Charlie Fink um, at Chapman University, doing a show on XR and performance. Um, we've you know done stuff for the University of Rochester, uh, you know, different cohorts from Canada will reach out to us and ask us to do, you know, can you do a show and then a talk back or, you know, so that's mostly what it has been thus far, not, not really building a show with the university, but showing them what we've done, what's possible and, uh, talking to them about, you know, how, how, how we got here and, you know, why we're doing what we do.
0: Very cool. Um, I'll put in the show notes that there's actually a a whole bunch of university organizations that are all trying to find their way in this space. So it's interesting that that's kind of a leading edge space. And Mm -hmm. Aaron's doing cool things at at, uh, at UT Austin and other stuff. So there's lots of cool things afoot. But uh, yeah, a lot of universities are getting their feet wet. So it's an interesting time to be doing that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. You talked about scalability as well and asked about scalability. And I I would say that scalability in this space is the same way you would scale in an immersive theater space. So you've been to sleep no more. So you know how many people were there. But you also know how many actors they had and how big the space was. Um, So we're not there tech wise. So it doesn't doesn't matter if if we had that many people who wanted to come we're just we just couldn't do it. Um, So it's actually a great time to explore the more intimate, immersive theater experiences that um, only have, you know, three, five, ten audience members and one or two or three actors. And that's where we're at right now is just sort of honoring the tech and its ability and then teaching people how to, you know, experience it as and waiting as the, you know, waiting for the platform to grow.
0: Interesting. And it's at a time... Where in real life immersive experiences, there's people playing with scale. So fever mm-hmm. and doing all of the fever things. Um, I didn't realize till I was just in Barcelona that they're from Spain, um, that they've got all sorts of immersive stuff that they've got built out and are scaling out that are getting people thinking this is immersive, which is going to potentially yeah. cause some interesting issues that are very scalable <laughs> concepts. Once you land it in one city, then I can take that And duplicated everywhere with generic ip so Mm -hmm. we we are changing the space a little bit about expectations and um and not everyone's done a nice intimate immersive theater piece to know what that is in real life so it's kind of an interesting bridge um and then during the pandemic a lot and before the pandemic people were larping so live action role playing so they were being the characters Mm -hmm. And so and then having their friends be the non-player characters too. So creating a narrative and a physical space. You do have a lot of people who are still kind of playing in that space. And if Mm -hmm. you haven't LARPed from our our wonderful audience here, Mm. go play with LARPing. It is fun and somewhat strange. (laughs) Um, And there's people who LARP, you would never know LARP, um, that go do that, who are actually members of the Screen Actors Guild, so they won't let their LARPing be photographed. (laughs) Whole not that could be a whole nother show. I'm sure. On, on, yes. On weird things of LARPing. So um so what are you then doing for your for your living side of the equation? This is a building experience. Are yes. you acting and doing other things?
1: Yes. I um I'm part of the Willows, which is a uh it's um it's an immersive theater experience here in Los Angeles that is Uh, It's come back like five times now uh, because people love it so much and they've, you know, spent the time building the company and building their reputation and building their audience and the community. And so it's just very popular. So I do I do those shows. Um, I also I also am assistant to um, a gentleman and I help him for, you know, sort of logistics with his company. So I do that as well, um, which I do from home, which, you know, helps to be able to, you know, have a more flexible schedule, um, so those are the the types of things that I do to to keep, you know, to not only keep creative, but to to make sure that um, I <laughs> I pay the rent every month because being an artist in La- in America is is very hard. It's a capitalistic based society. Um, we uh, value uh, so much. Uh, money, but not necessarily artists. What we, what we tend to, um, reward are are celebrities and their, um, their viewership that they can bring to any product, whether that product be a nonprofit or, a uh, uh, you know, an item or a show, you know, that, that is, that is what, you know, generally people are after when they, when they move to, to Los Angeles to become a an actor is is the celebrity because that's really where you know you can actually make a living whereas most actor artists in it that I know you know are all are having a very very hard time making a living and um often have many side gigs that uh, help support their artistry
0: hyphenate you're a hyphenate yeah but that is, uh, and a lot of our guests have had multiple tiers of jobs that all kind of fold into each other, both mm-hmm. over time, but also at the same time to be able to pay for being a creative yeah. and to make that all work. So, um, We're heading into a world of uh, uh, immersive imaging, so the, uh, new tools and tech that is letting the content be in a, in a real space. Mm-hmm. Um with the new Quest Three and the Vision Pro coming out next year. Yeah. Does that change you guys' imaginings on where you can take narrative?
1: Sure. One of our one of our team members, Whitney Frank, has this uh, really great idea and um script that she's working on for the idea of doing like a Seder in oh, in a cool. pass through kind of environment you know and she she's working on you know fleshing that out and seeing if she can um get that to a point where you know it's ready to get produced but yeah that would be something that would use like the pass-through technology and yeah there's that opens up so much more options and storytelling and fun and for for artists and creatives you know around the world being able to play with the idea of you know bringing Something into your space, bringing, you know, the art, the play, the event into your personal space, as opposed to us taking you and putting you on an alien planet or, you know, something like that. You'd actually bring and welcome all these things into your house and like, oh, how cool is that?
0: You know. Or out in the world as people have been taking the new Quest 3 headset and going to Disneyland and going (laughs) to bars and going to restaurants and (laughs) taking the world in and seeing overlays on the world, which... Yes. Keep keep reading the Ask Me Anything from, from the quest team going, We did not anticipate that. We did not anticipate that pass would go out into the world. So kind of an interesting yeah. question. It's it's a little challenging
1: for like a headset is uh they don't work great in the sunlight, so you know, it can be better, you know, better inside. But you know, that's that's where we're going. Like the idea that, you know, it'll be the sunglasses that, that Meta's already put out, which just have like they can, you can listen to music, you can take a photo, but eventually those, you know, the tech will get Fast enough, small enough that, that those glasses will be able to do the overlays that you want to see. And, you know, you'll be able to say, hey, I want to know what what apartments are for rent in this area. And all of a sudden you'll see all of the apartments for rent. And you're like, I really want to live in this area. I'm going to call these guys. Right. Like the idea of being able to do that or looking into a car engine and saying, OK, what does that do? <laughs> and, and how do I change the oil? Because my dad never taught me that. right? <laughs>
0: being or able to put on some the- glasses and do that. Like, oh. But also potentially taking theater with you, right? Taking theater (laughs) into a forest, taking theater into a different space, or people being choosing different space overlays to be engaged in the theaters. Which wouldn't that be
1: so cool? Going in a forest and having like some sort of like Arthur and the 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 sword and the stone, or like some sort of fairy play. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) It would be
0: totally fabulous. (laughs) So um. What have we not talked about? You've, you've covered a gamut of the great adventures that you've been on and that the collective's been on. Anything else that you'd like to mention before we wrap up?
1: Oh, there's, there's, you know, I've learned so much um, in this space. Uh, I've learned about, um, you know, visibility. It's very, very important to, you know, bring up what it is that you're doing and your projects in a space where they get, visibility, which is one of the reasons why we do the festival circuits, even though it is rather expensive to travel to these places. Um, you know, it, I say rather expensive. Yes, it's expensive. Let me just say that it's expensive. They but don't it's, pay you to come.
0: It's the other way around that you're, you're right. having to travel and bring everything with yes. you and everything else.
1: But with with our stuff, we we actually have often have, you know, our our, our actors working from home Um, we don't go to all of the festivals that we've been in some of them we can do completely virtually it just depends on the festival sometimes they actually will pay a show running fee sometimes there's an award uh, that is associated with winning and that's a you know that's something as well and then eventually you know you start doing stuff and people start noticing you then they'll ask you to come and speak and and maybe now there'll be a fee with it you know it doesn't not at the beginning but like you know as as time goes on so there is a great value to visibility that um i think is underestimated and uh i would encourage everyone to whatever it is that you're doing you know try to get out there somehow go to places to network you know talk to people write an article um, you know, get on the podcast with with our lovely Gigi here and hang out. Um, do all of the things that you can think of doing to raise your visibility because that will help people find you. People who are looking for you want to find you and that's how it will help. Also, tech has been a a great gift for me because it's really hard. (laughs) It's 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 so hard that you have to accept when things go wrong and you have to like go, oh, what do I do if my fellow actor falls off a Wi-Fi and how do we pivot when, you know, when things crash Like you have to start going, okay, I have to let go of this perfectionism or this, you know, wanting to make everything right because you're holding on to some fear that, you know, if it goes wrong, you're then, you know, you're a failure or the project's a failure or allowing yourself to give yourself the gift of imperfection and trusting yourself to pivot when things uh, go haywire and be like, you know, this happens is, is the best gift I could have given myself because it's allowed me to explore and, and um, enjoy the exploration along with the creativity and the work that we've done.
0: Very cool. So would you like to reach out to you and how should they reach out? You guys can be found at your website, which is fairman, fairmancollective.com. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Who would you like to reach out and how it should, how would you like that to come in?
1: Um, so yeah, either through the website or you can also follow us on all the socials because, you know, we do try to post fairly regularly. Um, DM us on those because I'm very bad at following comments. Um, we, we love to talk to anybody in this space because most anybody, you know, in some way can help us. If it's somebody who's looking to create uh, their own project and want just want to know what it's like, then, you know, maybe they will create a project and that will get an audience and that will help build the audience. If it's somebody who wants to, uh, you know, to build a world or, you know, wants to, you know, do development and stuff like that, you know, reach out to us and, you know, chat with us and see if there's, you know, if it's a, if it's a good fit, i happy to chat with most anyone uh, about what it is that they're doing or to, you know, talk about their passions and excitements. Right now, we're, we're so new, it's, it's, all, it's all an experiment and we're all collaborating on this together.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. We'll put ways to find you in the show notes and hopefully you guys in the audience will go enjoy one of your shows uh, in your headset or computer near you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Gigi. Have a beautiful day. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content where you can take your own career and use some of the tools and the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of creative innovators as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year so stay tuned and join our lists and and find out where else you can find and combine with creative innovators in 2024.